Welcome to the Mothering Wildlife Podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a zoo professional working full-time and also a mom to two little boys. I know firsthand how challenging the zoo field can be, physically, mentally, and emotionally. I also know how much work it is to raise tiny humans. I want to share the stories of those moms who are out there caring for wildlife and caring for kids. My hope is that this podcast can build a community of moms, sharing ideas and supporting each other because we're all in this together. We're all just mothering wildlife. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Mothering Wildlife Podcast. My name is Elizabeth, and I'm your host. I'm just going to come out and say it, and my least favorite thing about being a mom or being a parent, because this really has nothing to do with motherhood, is how long it takes kids to get in the car. I It drives me nuts. It makes me bonkers. I just don't understand. Just get in the car, sit down and put your seatbelt on. But no, we have to get in the car. We have to like poke around in the back seat because we have a Tahoe. So it's roomy. We got to poke around in the back seat. We got to play with all the lights and turn the lights on in the ceiling. We've got to look underneath the seats. We're going to pull out, you know, the books that are in the seat pockets. We just want to sit down and put the regular seatbelt on. Just get in the car. I just don't understand why it's so hard to just get in the car and sit down and put your seatbelt on. It's always been like this for Silas. He's always moved at like a glacier speed when he does anything really, truly. But even getting in the car, I don't understand the like dawdling that comes with this. I really don't. I try to think back to when I was a kid. Did I take this long to get in the car? I don't remember it taking this long. We just got in the car and we put our seatbelt on and we left. And I have tried like every which way to like speed up the process. I've tried ignoring it. I've tried bribery with Arlo, especially, who is very independent. I've tried saying, you know, please get into your seat or else mommy's going to put you in your seat because he definitely doesn't want me to put him in the seat because he definitely wants to do it by himself. I just don't understand. I don't understand why it takes so long. Someone please help or just tell me that it's like that for you too, <laughs> that no one has it easy. I don't know. Anyway, the um, guest that we have this week on the podcast is a mom by the name of Allison Provo. She's a curator of mammals at Riverbanks Zoo and Garden. Um, she actually transitioned into her role as curator shortly after coming back from maternity leave. So we talk a little bit about that transition. She's got a really great mentor at work. So um, she tells me a little bit about how that's been going. But honestly, in the beginning of the interview, we talk a lot about the anxiety that we often feel when we step away from months of work into months of maternity leave. It often can feel very, very anxiety-inducing. Um, you know, we've left behind other lives that we were taking care of, other animal lives. And yes, our teammates are totally capable of filling our shoes. But then we often feel guilty that all the duties we had in that role are now just being pushed onto our teammates. Um, not all zoos can often afford to hire a temporary keeper. It's not that easy. We're a very unique, specialized niche field. You can't just, you know, advertise for someone off the street to come and fill a role for three months. Um, but yeah, that can give a lot of stress to the team. It's a lot of stress on the animals. You know, that job is just so teammate oriented that it's hard when you have to be gone for a big chunk of time like maternity leave. So we talk a lot about that. We also talk a lot about... Um, grieving during maternity leave, uh, which is not something that a new mom often thinks will happen, but definitely can happen. 
You often feel like you're grieving your old life. You might be grieving your old self. Now as a mom, you're not quite sure who you are, what your role is totally, where you fit in. And so there is sometimes a lot of grief that happens during maternity leave. Um, It was really nice to talk with Allison to hear her story. And I also shared a little bit about my story as a first time mom as well. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Allison Provo of the Riverbanks Zoo and Garden. All right. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for agreeing to come and share your story. I'm excited to have you here. So welcome and thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. So let's kind of dive right in and start at the beginning of your professional career. Tell me a little bit maybe about um, why you got into the field or what your roles have been over the years. And we'll kind of end with what you're currently doing right now. Yeah. So, you know, when I was a child, of course, I wanted to work with animals and that meant veterinarian, as so many other people have said and will always say. Um, Once I was a teenager, I was actually able to start volunteering in a program called Zoo Teens at the Toledo Zoo. And even though a lot of that job didn't expressly help the keepers, I did get to experience that at different points and kind of see what zookeeping was. Uh, so then when I went off to college, I still was pre-vet. That was my path. Yeah, That's same. where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> and then reality hit me a little bit and school was very hard. I'll be honest. And I also shadowed some veterinarians. And through that, I actually decided that was not the path that I wanted to end up taking. Yeah. And um, Michigan State, which is where I went, had a really great zoology program. And I remembered all of those zookeepers that I saw doing the really unique stuff, the the day-to-day care, and really trying to make the lives you know, the best as possible for these animals. And I liked that aspect. I, I liked the idea of not always just seeing the animals in their worst case scenarios. So I switched gears. I started doing zoology and then I did an internship. Um, I actually went to Ireland for that and did oh, cool. my three month. Yeah. I did my three month internship at the Dublin Zoo. And then when I graduated college, I got a job at Riverbank Zoo because they offered me a job, <laughs> right? <laughs> Much like everybody else, I applied to you know fifty yep. zoos had my right. had my application floating <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's like the first to answer. It's where I'm going. <laughs> exactly, that was yep. me too. <laughs> yeah. I actually had two that that were competing, and I ended up picking this one over yeah. the other one. Um, and I'm happy I did because you know I started as a zookeeper. I worked with elephants, giraffe, um, variety of animals, and then I moved up into a supervisor role over that hoofstock department. And then I, again, moved up um, recently, last year, and I'm now the curator of mammals. Nice. Oh, you're a hoofstock person after my heart. I love hoofstock. (laughs) They are where my heart and soul has been when I was a keeper and then for the majority of my career, although hopefully none of my former carnivore keepers are listening because they'll be like, (laughs) we knew it. Yep. (laughs) Because I did carnivores for a little while after that. But yeah, I love the hoofstock. And Riverbanks is a great zoo. Like it's got so much, I feel like variety and just like, uh, there's so many things to do while you visit there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as curator of mammals, then tell me a little bit about what your day to day looks like. What are you kind of doing on the daily? (sighs) 
a little bit of everything. (laughs) It depends on the day. Um, Some days, my favorite days, I am out actually helping the keepers with things and um, circling through helping with training projects or helping clean, Mm -hmm. um, just getting that face time with the keepers. Um, my least favorite days, I am stuck in my office yeah. doing things <laughs> like reading the USDA blue book. Manual. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> so, so it really is a, a variety of stuff. Um, you know, I'm new to the job and so I'm still figuring out a lot of it, but I luckily have a really great mentor. Um, my nice. boss who moved up into our director of animal care position, he was the curator. And so um, I have a really great mentor in that, that when I don't know something, I could just go and be like, hey, I, I don't know what I'm doing. What, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That makes a big difference when you feel like you can just like expressly say, I have no clue. Someone please help me know what <laughs> yep. to do because you're not meant to know it all. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. nice. So um, obviously, because we're going to be talking then a little bit about working as a mom and being a zoo mom, tell me a little bit about who made you a mom. Yeah, so I had Abigail. Uh, she was born in October, uh, actually just um, 10 days off from my own birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> my birthday is the 16th and hers is the 26th. I am oh, nice. going to mix those up. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> we have that in my family yet. too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was born in 22, so she's just over a year old now. Um, she's a little ball of 15-month-old fire. Yeah. Uh, she has learned how to have a temper tantrum. Oh. She is working on learning how to talk. <laughs> she's she's walk running everywhere. Yes, that's a fun age though because their little personalities are starting to kind of like come out. Like you said, they're learning how to say a couple of words here and there and they're figuring out what they love and what they like. I love that age. I love the little age. It's so cute. Yep, her personality is definitely coming out right now. That's cool. Did you always want to be a mom? You know, I really didn't. I was never against it, mm-hmm. but... I was very, the way I kind of describe it, I was very um, flexible in with whoever I ended up with mm-hmm. or what my life ended up doing. Yeah. Um, I never felt like being a mom was going to give me purpose or that's what I needed to do. And I understand that some people feel that. Uh, it just wasn't that way for me. So, you know, I bet I met my wonderful husband and we dated for a long time. We did everything slowly. We dated for a long time and then we got engaged and we were engaged for a few years and then we got married. <laughs> and, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so he definitely wanted kids mm-hmm. more than me. Um, not, again, not that I didn't necessarily, yeah. but, but he also was a person that I could see having kids with. Yeah. And so because of knowing his want for it, and then when we finally got to a good place, because, you know, I'm quote unquote, a middle to older mom, um, yeah. I'm 35. So <laughs> we waited a while to have a kid, but, yeah. um, which I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with, but no, but you gotta love those labels they try to place yes. on yes. <laughs> those, those geriatric yeah, the, the moms. Geriatric I'm an older mom too. <laughs> my my, uh, my doctor knew not to say that term to me. <laughs> she, it's awful. <laughs> she she's a very great doctor in that she knew I was scientific minded. We yes. we got along on every That's level, nice. but never did she utter those words to me, even if they're in my medical chart that we just ignore. <laughs> I like to say that my body's. Ex- 
experienced. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I did just fine. We're exactly. <laughs> I brought a healthy child into the world. No problems. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't say it was necessarily my purpose, but I absolutely love having yeah. her. I'm enjoying seeing what each new day brings yeah. and I'm enjoying seeing the person she's turning into. Yeah. So were you a curator? No, you must have just, if you've, if you've been in a curator role for, like you said, uh, almost or a little less than a year now. So you were pregnant prior and having um, her prior to becoming a curator. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what sort of role and what sort of like daily duties were you doing while you were pregnant? So everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so I didn't get my curator job until I was back from maternity leave. Okay. Um, I had been back for a couple months and then the job opened up and then... I applied and got yeah. it. Um, so while I was pregnant, I was the supervisor of that hoofstock pinniped uh, department. And so I I did have a fairly easy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I feel lucky because I'm a very stubborn person. I want to be active. I want to keep moving. I yeah. don't like feeling helpless. Yeah. Um, so it's a good thing that my body also was on the same page. Cooperated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, I was shoveling. We, at this point, we had rhinos that were a newer exhibit, um, giraffe. We have our pinniped exhibit um, and some other small stuff. And so, I mean, I was shoveling the rhino yard. I was driving the machines. I had to talk with my doctor. I said, look, this is what my day looks like. Mm-hmm. You need to tell me if I shouldn't do any of this stuff. And, you know, she was real great that she said, hey, you know your body, your body knows this work. You're going to know when you shouldn't do something anymore. And she even made a comment to me early on because I drive a big skid steer and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she said, we'll talk about that later in your pregnancy, (laughs) but only because I'm worried you're going to fall getting out of it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm a clumsy person, so it was a valid (laughs) worry. Um, but, you know, I, I did the cleaning. I did, I, I learned some tricks, you know, I couldn't move a hay bale after a while, yeah. but I learned I could drop a hay bale that was hip height onto a cart. <laughs> I just couldn't carry it or pick one up off the bottom of the pallet. Um, so I learned a bunch of tricks and I did have to humble myself in that I didn't carry 50 pound bags of grain up the stairs of giraffe. I, I would stand there and ask someone for help, but um, I did pretty much everything up until... I and my water actually broke at work. So oh, really? Up until I gave birth, <laughs> that's my one water of those things that I, I was there. <laughs> that's one of those things that I feel like as a pregnant woman, you joke with your coworkers about, like, oh, you know, what if my water breaks at work? Ha ha ha! But then when it actually does, <laughs> yeah, it it can happen. It can um, happen. <laughs> I actually had a really funny moment that my my coworker likes to tell um, because she was my most tenured person. And so I'd been purging like just for weeks and actually months purging information onto everybody on the team and just trying to get all my knowledge and all of my tasks delegated out because I was preparing for maternity leave. And I was like, oh, I forgot to tell her this important thing. And I was finishing up an update email. I was sitting on the computer, finishing up an update email. (laughs) When my water broke, oh, no. which was not as epic as they make it look. In the oh movies. yeah, it never I was, is. <laughs> I was very much questioning if my water had yeah. broken, but so I finished up my uh, i I figured all that out. I went in the bathroom and then I came out and I finished up my email. And my coworker had walked in and I was like, "Hey, come here! I need to tell you these like five things." And I went, da, da, da. 
Okay. Also, I think my water may have just broken. So I'm going to leave now. <laughs> and it was like four o'clock and she just went, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because how else do you react? You know, you're just like, okay. Yeah, and I had so much to still do. I was like, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Those mega vertebrates, man, they are no joke. They are definitely labor intensive mm-hmm. and all sorts of accommodations have to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's so funny. I think people expect when your water breaks that like, you're just going to like, gush, you see it in the movies, you know, and on sitcoms, it just like gushes out of you. But like, I I have heard neither one of, neither one of the pregnancy I I had did my water break, but I have heard that it's not even, it's not necessarily always like that. Like it just sometimes is a little trickle. (laughs) Yeah. Not at all. You, to put it bluntly, you might question if you pee yourself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So while then you headed probably, I guess, straight to the hospital or maybe home and then the hospital. So, <laughs> you probably so had a I little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. I called the nurse. I wasn't having contractions or anything. Yeah. And the nurse was like, go home, see if it continues. If it does come in and we'll test to see if it's amniotic fluid. Yeah. And so her lack of urgency translated into my lack of urgency. Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily my husband's lack of, oh, of urgency, course not. <laughs> but um, I will say I had a meatloaf dinner before I went to the hospital. Good. You should eat because they won't let you eat. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, I had a I had a very long labor then because um, my water had broken, but I was having no contractions, yeah. no dilation. So, yeah. Basically, yeah. they were like, you have 24 hours to get this kid out, so we need to induce you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Sometimes those things, they just like have the mind of their own and they tend to turn to wherever yeah they go down pathways we didn't expect sometimes and yeah (laughs) yep exactly so she's born and she's lovely and (laughs) you're on maternity leave now back up a second though i agree with you you're talking about um getting ready to like go out on maternity leave and you constantly like you said trying to brain dump you're just trying to purge everything on everyone i do remember so distinctly like lists upon lists of Pun list that I had <laughs> yep. of like, don't forget this. And like, oh, I'm the only one who does this, knows how to do this or knows where this is or this passcode or whatever. And you're constantly trying to like, because you have other lives at stake, you know, animal lives at stake that are going to require care. Not that your coworkers aren't um, perfectly capable of doing it, but we do have these crazy long things that we're like, oh wait, and there's this and there's this and there's this. And that makes it quite hard. I feel like sometimes to then think about ceasing that stepping away and boom now all of a sudden i'm just cut off and i'm on another journey in my personal life with my baby that's hard <laughs> it was yep and i remember i would just wake up in the middle of the night in the couple weeks prior and i would think oh my god i haven't told anybody that this is how you reset this box right <laughs> it's something that just they would figure out but yeah. to me it was knowledge that i held that i just needed to purge yeah. i just Somebody needed to know it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is hard. I mean, I think the other hard part about, you know, um, a woman or an employee at a zoo preparing to go on maternity leave is sometimes that means that for those three months or whatever chunk of time that you're going to have off, your duties are maybe just pushed to other people. Um, 
you know, not all zoos have the ability to potentially hire in like a temporary or like someone who can come in and just fill your role. I mean, it's a very like, it's not a role that you can just fill with someone off the street for a maternity leave, leave, right? I mean, this is, we've, we've trained and learned months and months and months how to work for these animals. So like that, that's really hard to just transfer to someone. So we just often, I think, kind of like push those duties to other people on the team. I don't know how Riverbanks does it though. Yeah. Um, you, there was no history of ever bringing in a temporary keeper. Yeah. Um, there was very little history of even having pregnant keepers. Yeah. Um, people got pregnant in administration roles and things like that, but Riverbanks had a lot of turnover and a lot of young keepers. And um, the few keepers that I ever knew that were pregnant many years ago, mm-hmm. most of them just, they didn't come back to they the just, zoo. Yeah, they just leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think I was kind of unique my yeah. <laughs> my I felt like the entire mammal department was studying right. how I handled pregnancy <laughs> and how I <laughs> how I came back from it. Um, yeah. But you know, one thing that my boss did was he did try to push the temporary keeper type nice. thing, or because he knew that one person being off that team for mm-hmm. three months was going to be terrible. That's an impact. Um, yeah. It's a huge impact and that's stress on me too, knowing that I was leaving my team struggling because like you said, animals depend on us and, you know, this job is so teammate oriented. Yeah. And so that was a source of stress for me. So he actually did push, we were able to shift a keeper from another section that they could afford to be down the mm-hmm. person easier, um, that they actually came over and temporarily spent the three months with the hoof sack team, which nice. was super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly for that keeper, you know, if they're open to it, cool, great. I get to do and learn something mm-hmm. new for, you know, a few months. And and when I was at Dallas, we would do that at Dallas as well. We just kind of shove one keeper from one place to the other and you know, they're covering a little bit of maternity time and cool. They learned something new. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, me personally, if I were in that position, I'd be stoked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a great yeah. opportunity for that person to to experience another team and get their. Um, it was a team they're interested in moving to. Yeah. So it kind of gave them a mini interview. Yeah, <laughs> a really long one. <laughs> yeah, that's a very long mini interview. <laughs> cool. So, were you able then to take um, a decent amount of time for your maternity leave? So, yeah, I did. I ended up taking the full FMLA. Mm-hmm. Um, Riverbanks at that time did not offer any sort of paid parental leave. Yeah. Funny enough, shortly after me coming back, um, they did start offering oh, a paid well, parental leave. Oh, good on them. <laughs> which, which, of course, you're going to have that moment of being so happy that they're doing it, but that right. little bitterness where you're like shaking your fist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. No, no, I'm just, I'm happy they started doing it. Well, um, I mean, that, 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 they're a rarity in, in the field though, to be offering something like that. So that is amazing. Good on them. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm really proud that they took that step. Um, so I did take the three, the three months. Um, would I, again, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I did not thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was feeling it by the end of that three months. Um, I didn't have postpartum depression. I didn't have that, but I definitely, I felt kind of like I was grieving a little bit in a way uh, of having lost my myself yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, it had all of a sudden just become all about this other person. And as you know, fun as I had at moments and everything, I felt like by the end of that three months, I was really struggling yeah. and I was 
definitely ready to go back. I honestly felt exactly the same way. And I actually just talked to another mom, um, Allison from the Dakota Zoo. And she said, you know, for me, I recognize that like, I really just wanted and needed like eight to nine weeks. She's like, and then I was just going to go back to work. She's like, and I really truly, you know, want to just like advocate for like moms taking what they need. And so, but you don't know, right. You don't know going into it. Like here I'm given, I can take this much time. So yes, I'm going to take it. Um, But I felt the same way as you. I kind of had this moment a couple of weeks into his life where I was like, I, I felt stuck. I felt trapped. Honestly, mm-hmm. was like, I, what did we do? <laughs> Is this going to be my life, our life for the, you know, unforeseeable future? This sucks right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being really honest. It was really hard for me, um, to be away from work and also feel like, yeah, like I was like, I don't even know who I am right now. Like I have this new role as mom. I'm having a really hard time bonding with my child, but I was very strongly identifying constantly as zookeeper. And like that all of a sudden is just completely gone because I'm I'm not doing that work. And you sometimes then just like tailspin into this, like, I, I just don't know who I am. (laughs) Yes, that I definitely feel that. Um, That's a lot of what I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes it really, really hard. And it did make me look forward to wanting to go back to work for Mm -hmm. sure. And at the time I felt a lot of shame about that, but I have since come to realize that like, that is okay. (laughs) It is okay (laughs) to have felt that way. It doesn't make me a bad mom and that is fine. (laughs) Yes. um, Definitely definitely the shame you you do feel that you feel the guilt because you're like i should be cherishing this time that i am home with my baby and you know but nope i definitely agree and it's funny i actually listened to that um podcast with the other allison maybe it's an allison thing maybe Because I felt a lot of what she was saying. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if I decide to do this again, because um, we're undecided right now, but yeah. um, if I decide to have another one, I would put a lot of thought into possibly doing kind of that eight week period. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have to have a C-section with Abby. Uh, yeah. um, so of course I had that recovery time, but I would put a lot of thought into probably doing some sort of take eight weeks, but then maybe go back part-time and yeah. kind of ease myself back into it. Cause I think I would thrive yeah. with that um, rather than just taking you know, the 12 weeks. Yeah, no, but I, I do like that, you know, option for some women, like you said, to consider, can I just go back Mm part-time and ease into it? That's not something I ever considered could be remotely a possibility. And I wish I would have had those conversations with Mm -hmm. my um, employer, both, both my children were born while I worked at Naples Zoo to be like, is this an option? Because I feel like it would benefit me to ease back into it and to, it would have helped my mental health to not feel like I was, you know, um, abandoning this role as a mom, but then to also feel like I was still Elizabeth the person and part-time for a little bit of time is a great option for those, anyone who's listening and you think that might be something you can swing with your facility, ask for it. You never know until you ask. Yep. I, I definitely advocate that, you know, cause everybody needs something different. Yeah. And if somebody needs the full three months, please do. Oh you yeah. Know take that time if you can, but everyone's going to need something different. Yeah. A hundred percent. So when you came back to work then was, um, 
was it was being a working mom anything like you imagined or was it completely different than what you expected everything that comes along with it those first few days back i feel like are kind of like i felt like i was working in a cloud i wasn't really sure what's going on <laughs> yeah i definitely um had a lot of catching up to do when i yes. got back um i had many 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 emails and many <laughs> yes <laughs> updates um from the animals and things they had done while i was gone um I, I felt a lot of relief being back at work um, and kind of getting back into a swing of myself yeah. and um, my mom. So I was very lucky. My mom, the one thing she wanted to offer us was she actually, she's up in Michigan. They actually came down and she gave us three months of childcare. Oh, that's amazing. Once I went back. That's um, nice. It was so nice. So we didn't have to put Abby into daycare right away. And... um it was just, it was super helpful because she would text me pictures throughout yeah. the day, but not too much because she didn't want to <laughs> distract me. <laughs> but, you know, it made it easier to go back to work. So mm -hmm. I think that was really helpful. Um, I didn't really run into any challenges being back at work that I didn't expect. I think the one thing was once Abby hit daycare, I had a good immune system. Oh gosh, yeah. And I just don't know what happened to it. <laughs> I, I think I left it behind at the hospital or something. I don't know. <laughs> but but the amount of sickness that I get now, yeah. That's what I was not prepared for. <laughs> yes, I agree. Like it it yeah, there's no way to describe <laughs> much sickness sometimes it's like weekly i'm like you have a snotty nose again we were I just got, over this i got hand foot and mouth oh Apparently no i have never had hand foot and mouth before and i got that within abby's like first week of being at daycare oh no <laughs> that's awful <laughs> yeah i think people don't realize adults can get that too and sometimes it can yes. be really bad in adults yeah i yeah. had a raging fever and oh. i had spots on my feet and oh man that was after the doctor told us, oh, you know, adults have been exposed to it so many times. You probably won't have any reaction. You're like, False. yeah, <laughs> watch this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's that the daycare sickness is, is definitely a thing. And, you know, one part of me is like, okay, well, he, he's building his immune system. That's great. We're just, right. we're getting all those bugs in there now. You know, <laughs> we're going to like make some muscle memory with this. The other part of me is like, but now I have this tiny child who's in daycare who I have to call <laughs> out because they're sick yes. and I'm sick. And, you know, I don't know about you, but like, I just felt so guilty every time I was like, ah, I hate to be doing this to my team. And I don't know if they understand. It. And I don't, I, I hope they understand that if I could do it any other way that I would do it, except that this is just the way it is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, my husband and I try to balance who takes the sick call. Um, but unfortunately my job yeah. at least at this moment of our journey, is the more flexible job. And so I do end up being the one who cancels more meetings or um, has to call out. And then I do feel guilty, especially yeah. if I had something that I really felt I needed to address in that day. Um, but that's just the season that we're in in parenthood right now. You're right. So. It's the season that we're in in parenthood and won't be this way forever and it'll change and it will be yep. in a and new at some season. Point, some point his job might be more flexible than mine. So Right. <laughs> yep. And then yep. I'll feel guilty that he's... <laughs> yeah. <to> call out. <laughs> just so much guilt going on these first years of parenthood. Cycle of guilt. <laughs> cycle of guilt. This can't be healthy. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I talked to Grace about this and they basically were like, yes, moms have lots of guilt that we need to learn to deal with this. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> so how do you function then? Um, she's probably... Well, she might, you know, my child awoke in the night every two to three hours until he was like two years old. I was going to ask you how you function in the season of sleepless nights, although you might be out of them now or or maybe you're not. But right now I'm out of them. Um, We only had short bursts of sleepless nights. Thank goodness. Um, Again, I... I'm not trying to brag. It sounds terrible. You know, I I feel bad because I know people have much worse experiences than me. But much like I had a fairly easy pregnancy, she was a fairly easy baby, which means, so I'm told if I have another one, that the second one will be terrible. I can confirm that is true. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, I'm going to... He's not terrible. He's just, wow, if we had him first, we might not have a second. Um, But Abby started sleeping through the night earlier than other kids do. And even, I mean, early on, she started giving us four to five hour stretches at night within her first month or two months um, to the point, you know, you hear the advice, wake them up every two to three hours. I tried to do that a couple times and she wouldn't wake up. And I was like, I mean, you're fine. I'm just going to leave you. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. I'm not going to torture myself <laughs> trying to wake you up every two hours. Like No, I mean, but the, there, there, there's a perfect example of that, like mom gut too. And that mom instinct yes. It's like, you know, what? you're, you're fine. I'm not going to, we're not going to torture ourselves here. We're going to go with the flow. We're going to read our baby. Like, okay, this is fine. It, it'll be fine. Yep. But there definitely were some nights, um, that then I had to go to work the next day. Uh, and I wasn't, a hundred percent. But I, but I would just tell my coworkers that I would say, look, I had a rough night. Like I'm going to just clean. I'm not going to shift animals, you know, or I'm just going to get what I need to done in these first few hours. And then if we're doing okay, I might head out, you know? So I just, I just tried to balance it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have that option. It's nice to be able to kind of like have a support team at work to kind of lean on, you know, hopefully Mm -hmm. of like, you know what, this is just what's going on with me right now. At some point in the future, they might be in a similar position and you're going to totally understand where they're coming from. So (laughs) exactly. And, you know, even, even though they're not parents right now, I know they have their own stuff and Mm -hmm. I just go above and beyond too to support people when I know they have something going on. And, you know, I have keepers who come in and they say, oh, something's wrong with my pet, but I'm going to work a few hours. I'm like, no, get out of here. Go take care of your pet. We're fine. We will figure the staffing out, you know? So, you know what? I think zookeepers have this, they, they, imposes on on themselves all the time of I, I I have to do it I'm gonna I'm gonna suffer you know I'm gonna you know put aside what is going on in my personal life I'm gonna do it. I have to do this, this is what I have to do mm-hmm. not recognizing that like we can pick up your slack we we will be fine we can do it you know we we're a team here because I've fallen into that before too where it's like no 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 I'm just gonna do my job and I'll deal with you know the sick dog later but if I'm not there, someone else will do it. And that Mm -hmm. is okay. And that's, but that's, I I see this in the field. Not many people think of it that way. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And that makes it a lot harder for you. Like you said, other people have personal lives. They've got things like pets. They might have, um, you know, elderly relatives. They've got things going on too. And that's equally as important as anyone who also has a child and everyone's personal life should be, you know, important to everyone else and, and be able to make accommodations for. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see, what skills have you developed now in your career 
that you've been able to take into motherhood? So many. So many. (laughs) Patience, adaptability. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, adaptability is a good one. I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah. um, I have been in a lot of chaotic situations at work by now, um, just between weather emergencies or animal emergencies, having to change plans, shifting plans, you know. I I really feel that it's made me a very flexible, adaptable person. Um, I don't blink at a lot of stuff that gets thrown at me. Um, You know, that could be a fault when it comes to a kid. I I might be a little too laid back about some things. Um, For example, we... Abby had just started getting teeth um, a little later than we expected, but that's fine. And she tripped and she chipped one of her front teeth. Oh no. (laughs) Enough that we were questioning. We're like, did she actually chip it? But the more we looked at it, the more we were convinced that her mouth was bleeding. And my husband, my my sweet husband (laughs) is freaking out so much. And I'm just kind of like, she's fine. She chipped it. We can't see a root. Like it's a tiny chip. There's no way this is a huge issue. You know, it very much was a balance of I was trying not to be too chill about it. Yeah. But he was also very much the other extreme. And so we were trying to find a balance of it's okay. You know? <laughs> the chip's going to come out anyway at some point. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. And that's what our doctor ended up telling oh, us. Yeah. He's like, these are just the practice teeth anyway. So, <laughs> you know, so. Maybe to a fault that I might be a little too calm in these situations, but I don't know. I think it's a good thing. No, I agree. There's lots of things that children and parenthood throw at you. So (laughs) the calmer you can be about some of them, um, the better. The one thing I probably will not ever be calm about is if I see a broken bone on my kid, I don't know how well I will handle that. (laughs) I will not handle that well either. (laughs) Also, my other one is parasites. Oh, yeah. If we ever get pinworms, I'm probably not going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think I could handle that either. I don't even know that I could handle lice. I'll be honest about that. Yeah, no. And we haven't had that yet. And I should probably knock on wood because Know, I've got right? one in second grade, so I feel like that's like elementary school is like prime lace. lace we're, we're jinxing growing. each other. Yeah, we are right jinxing. Now. We better both be knocking on wood. <laughs> Do you feel like then as a mom, you've developed some skills now these past 15 months that you're taking into your, your role as a curator? Um, I think probably the biggest thing, you know... I think it's more so the other way at this point, but I do think one thing I'm really learning is more communication skills. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she's 15 months. She's starting to understand things. If I tell her to sit down, she'll sit down. Um, That, of course, comes with patience. And sometimes she doesn't. But I think I'm learning... I I don't want this to sound bad, but I work with a bunch of young keepers. And mm-hmm. so communication isn't a skill that they're very practiced in. And so it's been something that I've been really trying to work with a bunch of those keepers on. And I think I'm going to get a lot of practice as a mom. Yeah. And then also working on it at work. I think that's a valid point. Um, you know, the world is different for a 20 something or early 30 something that grew up in that world is very different than the world I grew up with as a 40 year old. And we're not talking about a very long span of time in between those two 
generations, but it's a very different world. So much of it is, is through text or email. Like it's, it's just, it's not face to face. So it is, um, a lost art, I think, to be able to communicate well face to face or even in some sort of like media, whether it's written or text and children definitely, because if you want to put them in like (laughs) the spectrum of like good to bad communicators, they're lower on the scale (laughs) and you know, they're learning. And so it is a great opportunity to practice how to talk to a variety of people (laughs) who have a variety of big feelings and, you know, are, are also learning how to communicate. I I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think that you would ever do any other job now that you've got a daughter besides what you're doing now? I don't foresee myself doing anything else right now. I, um, now that I've moved into this curator role, I'm enjoying the, little bit more flexibility that I get with it. And I'm enjoying that it's a new skill that I'm learning. I'm learning a whole bunch of new stuff um, on the other side of the zoo world that I never really experienced before. Um, You know, I really don't see myself changing my job. As we said before, I'm definitely not going to become a stay-at-home mom. I will not thrive. (laughs) You know this, though. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, But I like the path I'm on right now, and I think it's working. It's working for me, and it's working for my family. Yeah. No, it's nice when we kind of like move into something in our career where we feel like we're being challenged again, and we've got this opportunity to learn something new, especially in a field that you've been in for a while, maybe have seen a lot of different different parts of it, but not all of it. And so to be able to see that, like you said, the other side of things, like it's, it, that's so rewarding. I think it's just so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't know that I could do anything different either, but <laughs> never say never. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, so yeah. What's your biggest piece of advice for a new mom in the zoo world? I think I would really say that you should not be afraid to speak up Mm -hmm. and ask for what you need, Um, whether it's just day-to-day tasks and knowing your body and knowing your schedules and knowing everything, um, or whether it is kind of that maternity leave time frame, you know, and trying to figure out what's going to work best for you. And don't be afraid to change your mind too. If you start, you know, I wish I had started maternity leave and once I felt myself really starting to drag, I wish I had then spoken up and said, can I, can I change this? Can I, can I change what I'm doing? Um, so I think the biggest thing is for people to really advocate for themselves. And, you know, I did the, I did the breastfeeding journey, uh, pumping at work, which was its own beast and battle. (laughs) Um, that I think I threw a mini party the day that I pumped for the last time. (laughs) Yes. That it's draining in more than one way. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> um, so I think I would really just advise somebody to to listen to yourself and to really trust that you know what you need mm-hmm. and then see if you can find a way to make that happen, whether it is going part-time or whether it is you need a better space so that you can pump better or, you know, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Yeah, you're right. I mean... The worst someone can say is no. You'll never know until you try. And if it's what truly will make things work for you, as hard as it is, I agree. You, you sometimes have to kind of get that courage to to speak up and, and say something about it. Yep. Not saying and that's no, easy, but... <laughs> and, and no is such a scary word until you've yeah. heard it enough. You know, at this point in yes. my career, I have heard no 
so many times right. that it just kind of rolls off my back unless it's something I'm really passionate about. And then, and then you pick talking. your mountain to, to <laughs> die on. Yeah. Yep. And I'm really good at picking my mountains, but that's also a great skill to have. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, but it's such a scary word, but usually it's just the end of it. It, it doesn't mean it's something that's getting held against you or, right. you know, if you ask, Hey, can we accommodate this? And someone says, no, then it's not like there's going to be much after that. Yeah. And it's not personal either necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, no, like you said, it is a scary word. I think we're afraid to hear it. So then we're afraid to try, but if you can learn how to accept hearing no, and you put yourself in those situations to where you hear it frequently, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it, it doesn't have the stigma attached to it that we tend to give it when we're just, you know, so concerned about what the no means. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. And learning how to accept that no, but then also learning how to say, I understand that you're saying no, but can you just explain to me why you're saying no? Because sometimes you can sway the answer that way too. Yeah. A hundred percent. Keep the conversation going. Try to, you know, open that person up and kind of understand their point of view. And then you can kind of slip on in there with maybe a turn of conversation. (laughs) Wow. We're just going to dole out life lessons here on this podcast towards the end. (laughs) That's what we're good at. (laughs) That's what we're good at. (laughs) Well, I love that. Um, Gosh, (laughs) anything else crazy that happened at Riverbanks while you were a mom (laughs) that we could add here? We've talked about some really great things. I don't know that there's anything um, left to kind of like dive into uh, deep life lessons on. (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty of life lessons out there, but. (laughs) Yes. And as a parent, you learn a lot of them. (laughs) Yes. Well, Allison, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your journey and your story and for telling us, you know, all about your kid. Um, She sounds delightful. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Allison. Many thanks to her for coming on the podcast and for sharing her story. Um, It is very much appreciated. I really love her piece of advice there towards the end, which is to not be afraid to speak up and to definitely ask for what you want. As moms, we seem to have a really hard time with this. I personally have a really hard time with this, whether it's in my professional or personal life. I just am not very great at speaking up and asking for what I need. I think that as a quintessential people pleaser, it's just been kind of ingrained in me that I would rather bear the burden than to potentially put someone else out by asking for what I want. And it's definitely time that I try to change that uh, because, you know, I'm a mom with a family and two small kids, and I definitely want to make sure that I am being vocal about the needs that we have whether it's just me or whether it's for my children and my husband and making sure that the decisions that we're making, the things we're trying to do are going to serve us. So challenge accepted. I'm going to try to better myself in that regard. And it was some nice food for thought from Allison. So, okay. Well, if you're not joining us on social media yet, you should be. You can find the podcast on Facebook um, at The Muttering Mothering Wildlife. <laughs> the Muttering Wildlife? No. The Mothering Wildlife Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Mothering Wildlife. 
Uh, we had some great conversation going on over in the Facebook group last week, actually. So that was really kind of nice. Check us out. Join the groups. Talk to some moms. That's all part of this community that we're building. And I've heard from so many of you. Um, it's just so nice to have those little messages that come through sometimes about um, some of the things that they've just really like resonated with and touched on. So I'm getting really excited about this little kind of group that is blossoming in front of my eyes. So anyway, I will let you guys get on with the rest of your week. If you are a zookeeper like me, maybe your work week is in the middle of your week right now. Maybe you're towards the end. I don't know. No matter what part of your week you're in, I hope that you enjoy the rest of it. And I will talk to you all next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Mothering Wildlife Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Johnson. This podcast is produced by John Rossi. Check out his podcast, Rossafari and Conservation Tales, wherever you listen to podcasts if you really want to learn all about the amazing people that work in zoos. Theme music by John Rossi and Taylor Isaac Gray. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Mothering Wildlife to like and follow us. If you are a mom that works with wildlife and you want to share your story, reach out to me at motheringwildlife at gmail.com.